Akelm and Rokel, dressed in Miradorn trash bags. Oh yeah. Five glasses for four people, they were proud of that shot. Oh yeah. We discuss the shifty twitchiness of junkies, in clumsy detail. Oh yeah. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Uh, hello and welcome again to the Rules of Acquisition podcast, where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the best television show for some people. And, you know, it's pretty good sometimes. Uh, <laughs> all right. I don't even like today. Huh? Like today. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with me, as always, is, you already heard him just now, James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. And I am Wade Bowen. And today, I don't even remember what number this is, but we're talking about an episode called Vortex. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Yes. I think it's, ele- it's 11, right? Yes. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got the info right here on IMDb. It says it aired originally on April 18th, 1993. The IMD description says a man named Croton tells Odo he can take him to a place where aliens, much like Odo himself, exist, which would help Odo find out where he truly comes from. That is the one of the worst uh that's a very poorly worded description of what happens in this episode. <laughs> Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah. Yes. That's the IMDb description. That's the IMDb, and it's, uh, yeah, it, it's trying to make it as awkward as possible. Yeah. Well, you know, the Netflix descriptions have been worse before, where they even describe the wrong episode, so. Right. So you kind of have to go with IMDb. Yeah. Yeah, you expect them to have their shit together. All right, guys, what do we think of Vortex? This is the first time that we can say that this was written by an Oscar-nominated screenwriter. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Who wrote this one? A gentleman by the name of Sam Rolfe, who had apparently wrote one episode for The Next Generation, but he wrote a a lot of really great 50s westerns. The one that's... The one that he got the Oscar nomination for and the one that, like, this episode is kind of based on is a movie that I've never seen with Jimmy Stewart and Jennifer, uh, Janet Lee and Robert Ryan hmm. called The Naked Spur. Oh. And it was written by him, Sam Rolfe, and he wrote this, late, obviously, 30, 30 years later. So Right. The Naked um, Spur won an Oscar? Or is that right? The Naked Spur was nominated for Nominated, Oscar. okay. He went on to create and uh, write the bulk of the series, dude. Uh, have gun real travel <laughs> bulk of the series and uh he was a creator for uh the man f- the man from uncle hmm. wow so this man uh yeah they 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 got it they brought in a yeah he was real he was real old hollywood this guy that's quite the pedigree yeah and it was all him they told him that they wanted him to write a naked spur like script and he wrote it he didn't let anybody else fuck with it after he was done so huh wow that's yeah. actually pretty impressive considering some of the character work that goes on he must have <laughs> did they have a show bible that they just handed him they must have yeah yeah i think so yeah because i know that they were even just for the next episode battle lines i know that they whoever was writing that episode had not seen or read emissary and was having to write characters that were only in that episode oh wow so i know that like they were developing screenplays 
at this level at this late in the series without any any episodes airing so huh one of my favorite things about this episode and it's so funny that it was so you know the the pedigree of of the writer Mm -hmm. was early on they addressed the fact that there's so many aliens coming through the the wormhole from the gamma quadrant that not every single one could be met but with you know in full dress uniform for first contact with their dresses on (laughs) right They don't always look pretty for him. Right. And I thought that that was like, that was, it's about time they address that. I mean, if they're, they're having such an influx of new aliens come in, Cisco would, would honestly just be, you know, greeting people all day, like a Walmart greeter. <laughs> right. Right. It, it's not, it's not practical. Who's the man on the promenade? <laughs> right. Right. In full dress. Who's the man in the red dress? Yeah. <laughs> But I thought that was a it was a really smart thing to do. And so it's kind of interesting to me that it it came from, you know, not a series writer that point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I actually made a note just the way this script was written. I think I think it actually came to my mind during a Kira scene, actually, when I couldn't help but think of what James said in our first episode where she was like a, oh, yes. a badly cast stage actress that's trying a little bit too hard. Right. Yeah. The screenplay this or teleplay felt a little bit to me like a stage play, kind of the writing where it's kind of like it's it was good. But whereas like where Kira is like overdoing it, look and be. And I, I had to think. Was she originally a stage actress? Because she seems to be overselling a lot of this. Yeah, I think that, yes, that everybody here uh, had a heavy dose of stage experience. Which which part of Kira was was most of? Like, which one are we, are we talking about? Like a specific scene? Probably whenever whenever she predicts how the, uh, what's the name of the aliens, the twin aliens? She predicts how they'll act when they don't return. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, I yes. know exactly what this. Yes. Yeah. And she's like, probably not. That's what I would do. Yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was that, that just kind of like, oh, this is a bad stage actress here. I, I, there's a chance that she's probably just a fixture of the L.A. repertory scene back in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, yeah. And that just might be like, because I, I get that feeling. But I know that it was commented upon by that uh, Terry Farrell had no stage experience and she felt very inadequate next to all of these stage actors. Huh. And yeah, we, we know she's talking about Avery Brooks and Renee Avergenois and not not a visitor but i that is like a you know i think that she nana visitor did come from that kind of background yeah because it seemed it kind of screamed to me sometimes her performance says oh she's not used to toning it down for the camera <laughs> yeah and they don't have body mind right, yeah, right. like that but knowing where the writer came from oh you know those old westerns were a lot more you know just the dialogue was a little bit heavy it's still good dialogue yeah and people like armin shimmerman and uh renee Eberginwan, like they fucking block that shit in and they do a great job. Yeah. Whereas I felt like Kira was like, all right, here we go. Sorry, Hugh. I know, <laughs> I know she's, you know, I got to screen this scene. <laughs> well, I feel this episode seemed to shift away from a lot of the Starfleet aspects. And uh, I think that's one of its strengths. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that it focuses so much on the archetypes of the sheriff and the bartender, shady bartender actually make it a lot more like a, a Western. And the, yeah, yeah. the sheriff has to put his trust into a mystery man. Right. right. Who seems very untrustworthy. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's start off. Let's just go to the first scene. It's just like, it sets up that mm-hmm. Quark's doing some underhanded business. Right. There's this 
new guy at the end of the bar that nobody recognizes that Quark's like, oh, I mean, I talked to him a little bit. He's a nice guy. And, and he distinctly has a very, and I, I can't put my finger on it, but Croden has a, a junkie type air to him. Yes, I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that up because I swear I've seen this. I've seen this episode before. I've seen this probably twice before, but it was so forgettable, I guess, the first time. Yeah, yeah. That later, whenever he says to Odo, what is behind that door in that cave is the most important thing to me. I thought he was going to say drugs. I thought it was going to be space (laughs) drugs. Mustache of heroin. Yeah, I thought it was going to be space coke. (laughs) Yeah, I have some opinions about the actor and his performance and stuff later, but we'll get to that. (laughs) I just kept, I kept calling him (laughs) Lion-O with his hair. Intentional or not, yeah, and it's weird. The facial bumps for his face were so weird Mm -hmm. that more than Klingons and other crap, even more than the Miradon in this episode, but that it was so weird and the whole, it was just hard to look at to me. Yeah. I think it got closer to the, to like the uncanny valley where it actually started looking more human. Yeah. And therefore everything was just gross. It looks like he, he took a head dive into a bowl of oatmeal. Yeah, like him and I feel like it's clearly the same makeup designer that did him in the Miradon, though. They look different, but they look like they were designed by the same person. Yeah, like <laughs> the person has a drinking problem. It's all about the weird thing by the na- by the nose and how that kind of fits together. Yeah. There's a big slit down the nose kind of. He point. looks like, do you know the way that skin looks when it's pressed up against pane glass? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it has that sort of look like to it, but like no pane glass, you know, it's very very strange it's very disconcerting to me and the whole time i just i mean in the actor himself and he's like a worker like you can see him in like bit parts on la you know he he plays scummy characters in hollywood that's his job right he's the dad in flight of the navigator wasn't really he? he was the dad in flight of the navigator so he's he's worn a mullet in many a tv and movie of the 80s and 90s <laughs> yeah i mean like he's in stuff like he's in uh an episode of togetherness the navel gazy hbo show mm-hmm. i mean he was in this last season oh, of that yeah. oh, so okay. like i mean he worked he's a worker good for him so like i like that show yeah 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 i think what what james picked up on with the junkie vibe mm-hmm. was him not being a very adept criminal because he's really just a dad but i got questions about that too with the quark scam yeah like, that's that goes into my whole thing later i want to talk about yeah i think but, maybe we both have a issue with that well let's get into it now what do we wait? hit it well okay so you got well first off let's talk about the great shot that the director and you can tell that the director and the cast work really hard on with the glasses and the tray yeah yeah then it was ruined in editing <laughs> like you could tell they went to the thing to do it all in one shot where you see four glasses on the tray rom goes gets the bottle the camera comes back and there's five glasses on the tray <laughs> right like you could tell they they, they were really excited about that on set and then they ruin it with putting a big edit in the middle of it right well yeah and the whole thing is like oh we've never seen him shapeshift that deftly before it's like oh nobody saw him turn into a fucking glass yeah, yeah. in the middle of the bar where there's like <laughs> so many people like rom looked away but yeah Morin didn't notice or you know adabo girl or anyone else they were in a private room. No. No, they were at the bar. They were in the bar? I thought they were in a private room. No. And he barges in. When Rom picked up the tray with the five glasses. Oh, yeah, the yeah, five glasses. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Then he walks into yeah. Oh, I see Wade's point. Yeah. That, that nobody notices the constable crawling onto the top of the bar and then shape shifting into a glass. <laughs> right. He doesn't turn into a pile of goo. Right. And then, then nobody's like, oh, that's fucking gross. <laughs> yeah. It up. yeah. Yeah. I, I, I imagine Odo walked into the bar, walked up to the bar, saw the tray, and then addressed the bar. Okay, everybody, turn around. <laughs> right. Cover your eyes. Lights off. <laughs> yeah, right. We've never seen him turn in anything in less than two and a half seconds, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he doesn't just... Yeah, and it was. It was just in the time that Rom got the bottle. Yeah, yeah. But I could tell whoever was on set that day, or whoever, like the cameraman or whoever blocked that shot, was really upset with that weird-ass cut in the middle of it, of just seeing Odo's face. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were proud of their work there, yeah. sure. They were going to do it all in one take, just like touch of evil right touch of evil yeah so <laughs> then they go back to the private room which is where that guy got his right massage it's is it a holodeck hmm. it doesn't matter anyway they have a faberge egg to steal <laughs> well they go in to meet these two uh gene simmons looking motherfuckers <laughs> who are in the most unflattering pants <laughs> worn by anyone okay real quick can we get into the maradon real quick there are twin species right yes yeah some of them. Yeah. They never say that all Mirrodons are twins. Okay. But they say, have you... Well, he says, have you ever heard of a twinned Mirrodon? And yeah, it felt like the assumption that they all are, but you don't know for sure. Right. You did feel like the assumption yeah. is that they all were. And I agree. It turns out that the Mirrodon, a twinned Mirrodon, they're not two separate people, but they're really like one mind, which if you think about... Like co-conscious. Like on an evolutionary scale, some freaky deaky shit would have to happen for that to be a prevailing trait uh, on an evolutionary scale, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how a co-consciousness evolves, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mirrodon, Mirror, and like, you know, I don't know. I have, I have my own bias and kind of like, ugh. About twins. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess we should. <laughs> but that's my own personal bias. Yeah, that's just my own self-loathing. So, you know, I didn't even... like how some gay guys don't like other gay guys, especially when they revel in it. Are you like the Stacy Dash of twins? <laughs> no, because I'm not. No, I'm not. I, I'm not the Stacy Dash because, well, one, we're not an oppressed minority. <laughs> And yeah, my, my whole twin <laughs> thing is when, when you associate, it's actually perfectly encapsulated by the Mirrodons, when your whole identity is based on not being an individual, I think that's kind of fucked up. And so when I see twins that like hold hands and dress alike, it's like, oh man, that's disgusting to me. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. my own shit. That's my own Wait, shit. I'm sorry. You've seen, you've seen adult twins hold hands? Uh, no. <laughs> this, this is a different podcast. <laughs> but like when I was in college and stuff and they were like, oh, those are the twins that go and live together and they dress the same. And they don't ever separate. And, you know, my brother and I went to different schools because we were sick of each other. <laughs> it's like, gross. Why would you do that? Yeah. Your whole life. If you kill one, then. Right. I know a twin. I know a twin here in St. In St. Louis that lives with her twin. It's she's like 30. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, you start getting into uh, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, Grey Gardens. Grey Gardens. <laughs> no, the great. OK, yeah. Grey yeah. Gardens. Yeah. OK, so you guys see where I'm coming from with the freaky deaky stuff. And yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's weird. But you're not supposed to think about it much, I guess. No. Yeah, OK, because it's a throwaway. It's just a motivation for him to try to kill. Croden. Sure, sure. And it's a classic Western trope. He killed my brother. Exactly, yeah. So, you know. <laughs> He's gonna die, Sheriff. Yeah. It doesn't make me hate this episode or anything. It, you know, yeah. all that stuff we just talked about, 
that's my problem. <laughs> yeah. It's <no. laughs> not actually about this episode at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so like, Proton comes in and wants the Fabergé egg. Things go south and he shoots Gene Simmons number two. Mm-hmm. And then Odo stops it. So my point is, is that like later on in the episode, we find out that Quark has engineered this because Crodon wants to go back to the Gamma Quadrant for reasons that you find out later. Mm -hmm. Um, Quark is going to arrange that, but he needs an outside guy to come in and hold up the Fabergé egg swapping meetup. And that you're confused by that? Why Why does he trust Crodon? Your gunman is like, can do a lot of, I don't know. I guess I'm saying, is Quark a dumb criminal? We're supposed to think of him as kind of, you know, at least has a criminal intelligence to him. It seems like your gunman is you want like the most, like, I, I, I want a guy in there I can trust. <laughs> right. Not a guy who's clearly a junkie. He's got all kinds of junkie vibes. He has like no skills in this. And if he said he had skills in it, you wouldn't believe him. And it seemed desperate of Quark. Can't Quark get a Klingon, just like a random Klingon, <laughs> to come in and hold the damn place up? Uh, Klingons, they're too... Proud. He needs a guy he can take advantage of. A guy that needs something from him. And the junkie vibe is just the actor, right? Right. There's nothing in the script that says he's like a junkie. It's just like that's how the guy plays it. Well, no way. He sort of portrays himself as a fuck up, right? It was a choice. Even in that scene, he says you're making a mistake, and he's like, it's not going to be the last one. You know? Yeah. Right. He's clearly like airing as like a beta male sort of right. man who lives on the. You know, like a sick puppy, like someone who's always making the bad decisions. Yeah. Just kind of weak and ineffectual, but is in a downward spiral and doesn't know how to, isn't strong enough to effectively, I don't know. That's definitely the tone that you get from the performance. I have, I want to talk about that later when we get to the end of the podcast, but. You don't know if that was on the page. Okay. All right. I just, it seems to me that Quark wouldn't have, Quark would have put that in the hands of a more trustworthy person. Right. Well, give him some credit. He didn't have his brother do it. Yeah, that's true. Well, he, he knew he could double cross the Miradorns and get a bigger deal because he can take advantage of this guy from the Gamma Quadrant. He can sell it more and cut him in less. Because he just wants to steal the Fabergé egg. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he wants to get it for a lot cheaper than he can get it from the Miradorn. So, I get it, yeah. But that's like a thing in gangster movies where like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm having a meet up to swap for these things, but then some third party comes in and steals them all, but... They were really working for you. Right, right. But it just seemed to like, why would you trust such an idiot? <laughs> Fair enough. With the gun. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're putting all of it like that. Like he could come in and shoot one of the Gene Simmons motherfuckers. <laughs> and then you have a problem. Right. Yeah. He well, actually did fuck up. Too. Yeah. Did he fuck up before or after Odo shows up? I can't remember. Uh, before? I can't remember. Well, Odo's broken for some reason. Like they throw. Right. Well, because they throw a glass because Quark's not an idiot. He's like, there's five glass. Or, yeah. At the end. Or does, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Well, whatever. This was just to get the plot started. <laughs> right, right. This was to get him in a cell talking to Odo. So, All right. Yeah, this is an Odo episode. I think that's pretty clear. This yes. <laughs> We've gone through, we've had our Dax episode, we've yes. had we've had our O'Brien, I guess. I think I should take the moment to just say that this is what I, on this podcast, have been asking for. Give me a mm -hmm. one character and really take him, give him a complicated story with a lot of, like, choices that he's got to make and put him through that sort of ringer and let us watch that. Yeah. If it's going to have to be an Alien of the Week, which it still is, make it a really good character. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so I think that's what we got here. So I'm happy. Mm -hmm. 
and I think it's what I wanted too, which is for the setting to actually make sense right. with the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have an outpost that's not equipped to deal with this sort of trouble. And it's finally these unsavory type of characters coming through. We're finally having conflict mm-hmm. because of the wormhole. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And then the Lion-O, whatever his name is, from Rock Hard. In my notes, I call him Faces of Death. <laughs> I just call him Lion-O because of his hair, I guess. And he does like, have a Lion-O. He does have a, a cat-like nose, right, right. ultimately. So then he kills a Mirrodorn that gets put in the brig by Odo, and then the Mirrodorn wants to kill him. There's the requisite, almost the town riots. Yeah. They're all camped out outside the security area. Yeah. Where, speaking of bad makeup, where they have just, they have an alien whose makeup or maybe he's a human, but it's just a black guy in a bad wig. <laughs> yeah. the, the black guy in a cave and a caveman wig. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. in the future, black men have straight yeah. white people hair. So it's like, come on, guys, seriously. <laughs> and it looked like it. not not Tiny Luster, but uh, who's the actor that played Candyman? It looked exactly <laughs> like him, in a, yeah, but with like Ringo Star caveman hair. <laughs> And, and I think in a fur vest. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. had big shoulder like, pads. In my mind, he's wearing a fur vest. So, like, it was even more like... Yeah, and that, that episode was, like, over, like, a second. Yeah. Did you need that awful wig? <laughs> like, that, that guy just stuck out to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, come on. It's That's how we show this otherworldly and alien setting. We put a black guy in a white person wig. Well, that's how, that's how the Mirador roll. They travel with those guys. <laughs> oh, okay. Give, give me the black, black caveman guys. And then that's when you see that Croden unveils to Odo that he's got at least something that's a changeling. Oh, right. He's got a necklace with a... With a thing that it's ultimately found out it's a key. Right. But it turns into a little thing and it's changeling. Right, right. Julian Bashir gets his line into the episode by... Um, Telling it's, it's Odo's cousin. Yeah. It's very similar to you, Odo. The only thing I've ever seen that the biology that is in any way similar is... And Odo, it's me, isn't it? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah, we get it. Me. So then they're going to have to try and send him back to his home planet. And so they have this really weird scene where Cisco goes out to, like, the planet. Right. Yeah, they go through the wormhole and they go find this planet. And then try and talk to him over the viewfinder see like do they want to do a prisoner exchange or do they want it was like they literally didn't give a shit about it yet again it was like cisco was itching to put on his red dress right right he wants to have a first contact with somebody motherfucker (laughs) and nobody is interested in having this first contact with him the the first contact thing i was interesting to me is like oh this is like the first inkling of what we eventually get as the dominion yes it's kind of this authoritative society and they're like no we don't want to talk to you we have our own system here Mm -hmm. right and it's a with very strict punishments yeah and we have our own society we don't want to whatever i think he like literally says yes yes we know about you go away like Like, it's not that he's and he's like okay and that guy's like a major character in nypd blue really like the actor playing that guy yeah so that was weird like concurrently oh shit i guess yeah i mean the nypd blue was 92 93 94 somewhere in there so yeah and i don't know maybe it was later on but yeah he's a major mm. he's on the box like when they do the cast photo on the back of the dvd box oh yeah he's in the cast photos like wow, okay. yeah i mean i never watched a ton of it but i've seen him in yeah it. i saw a man ass on one and they're like no oh, this isn't for me <laughs> i was a kid that was a little bit probably homophobic <laughs> at the time i don't know <laughs> like 14 you were of your culture and was this repulsed by? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was. A, but yeah. everybody's repulsed by Dennis Franz. Was that his name? That was the the asses that were. He he showed his ass a lot on that show. 
okay. I've been wanting. I felt like I should go back and watch it because it's David Milch wrote the bulk of the show. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's his thing. Hmm. I've never done it though. Yeah. So yeah, there was that, and then like I don't know. Like there's the, the all of this time. Like it seems like they're doing a really good job, except for that weird thing that we just talked about. Of like, yeah, I guess the best way to describe it is that Crowden is sort of scamming Odo. Right. But it's a really sophisticated sort of like almost a seduction. Right. He's like, oh, you're a changeling. I know changelings. I can take you to them. Yeah, but it's not. He knows that Odo, it's like he's smart enough to realize that Odo is too smart to fall for that. Right. So like there's sort of this give and take of admitting to lies and admitting to these kinds of issues and then sort of backing up. And so it's really interesting. I really like that part of it a lot. Right. I did too, but I felt that if we had any more, it would have been too much. Yeah. I thought it was just right. Especially at the end with the little girl, and it was like almost just. Right. It was almost just too much. Right. Yeah. Odo has to take him back to his planet. Mm -hmm. They go, the Mirador and find out. So they chase him into a vortex where we get the title of the episode. Yes. And the Vortex is the exact same Vortex art from Wrath of Khan. Oh, uh, really? Was it called a Vortex in Wrath of Khan, too? Because I think uh, this... Or was it called a Nebula? This or? is the dumbest name. That's a dumb name for this episode. It is Vortex. Dumb. What is a Vortex? Well, that goes into my what would we change about this episode. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because, yeah, because Vortex doesn't say shit about this episode, and it's not even accurate. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, we can yeah, we can go to that. So like, yeah, so basically he's just manipulating Odo to free his daughter who he's left in a stasis chamber on a moon. On an asteroid. You find out that Croden is essentially a political prisoner? Yeah. I never quite got that. Was he from a fascist regime? And he's from a fascist planet, and then he And but he doesn't even understand why he's being But he calls him an enemy of the people. And then the only other thing, and I know this is I don't know if they want to draw this parallel, especially because I was thinking if if you got a guy who's really good at writing westerns, this character may have been a Mormon in a western. Hmm. And he mentions his wives. Huh. That they murdered his wife. So I'm supposed, to, uh, maybe you're supposed yeah. to think yeah, that he's like a Mormon and there uh, was like some, the whoever runs the rock car, Rocknar. Space Mormons. Rock hard, rock hard, but I kept calling the it. The rock hard planet and the rock hard he's planet. He's from rock hard. He's just too messy. <laughs> he's from the too messy planet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So rock hard is a uh, rock car. The planet is just like not into Mormons. Right. Cause yeah, that's what I got from it is like he doesn't, he doesn't conform basically and that's what his problem is. Yeah. I didn't get the specifics of it, but I felt like that was what they were selling, you know. So he was somehow hiding out in the vortex and then it doesn't really make it clear how he got to Deep Space Nine. Some Klingons brought him through the wormhole, right? Right. Yeah. They say, yeah, Quark says at the first scene he came in with some Klingons. Which we never see. So he must have hitched a ride and right. then was trying to get somebody to come back and take his... I don't know. Yeah. So essentially what happened in the story. And then a bond is created between Odo. Obviously, Odo is sort of moved by the little girl. Right, He's right. kind of fascinated with him. But also that... Odo can get a concussion and apparently does <laughs> right. when a rock falls on his head. Which rock falls on him and knock him unconscious for some reason. Yeah, like a liquid man shouldn't be able to be knocked out by a rock. Yeah, well, you should be able to punch him in the dick and knock him unconscious. I guess. <laughs> Why should his head be any different, you know? Or you punch him in the elbow and he falls out. Maybe you just hit him hard enough and he goes unconscious anyway. Okay, so when a rock falls on your head in a, in a TV show and you're knocked out, that's because you've been given a concussion. Your head hits your skull. Your brain hits your skull and reboots, essentially. <laughs> right. Um, 
That shouldn't have happened if you're a liquid man. Oh, you're not wrong. I'm just looking for justifications. That's all. <laughs> so they drag him back to the... Also, he doesn't revert back to his liquid state when the concussion happens. That's true. So that's interesting. All interesting physiognomical anomalies. Mm-hmm. And they drag him back on the ship. When Odo wakes up, he realizes that they could have abandoned him and had a runabout and all of that. And the fact that they didn't makes... Odo, it's sort of the last straw. Right. And uh, Odo's heart melts for them. Creighton, he's a good person. And yeah, yeah. He would, comes up with a little manipulative system to get away from the mirror, from just one, just yeah. the Miradorn guy. The Miradorn, singular. The Gene Simmons. And so he gets Gene Simmons to blow his ass up along with probably. Candyman, Caveman, and some of the other people. And then <laughs> we don't know if Candy Candyman, Caveman could have just been on the station. I think he was. You're supposed to think he was like a crew member. Uh, fair enough. I was just taken aback by his whole existence. I didn't think <laughs> yes. about where he came from. I was like, Are you seriously with this wig? Right. So then Odo like gets him on a ship where a Vulcan can. Uh, he convinces a Vulcan science group to take Croden and his daughter to Vulcan, I guess, for political asylum. Well, yeah, and he's going to lie about where they died. And then then and. Then Next season, there should be an episode where Vulcan contacts Deep Space Nine and says, your guy Croden just fucked up our whole planet. <laughs> right. Spock is dead now. <laughs> this guy's got all sorts of Vulcans hooked on space trucks. <laughs> He's bad news. Even, yeah, in the first notes when I was trying to think, oh, this is almost like the Dominion. I thought the guy was going to be hooked on white or whatever the drug is that you get spoilers in the future that oh, yeah. certain members of the Dominion have to have this something, something white drug or they die. Oh, what the gym, the, what the Vorta later on? Yeah, yeah, not the Vorta, but the Jim Hadar have to, that's, they need that or they die in the Vorta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time I saw this episode, I was like, oh, shit, are we going to get that? Because this guy is clearly a drug addict. Yeah. So we all were clearly reading drug addict from this guy. We all thought drug addict. We were all reading drug addict, weren't we? Yeah, I watched it twice. The first time I was thinking that because then I was like, I got giddy because I thought they were going to actually be part of the Dominion. And like, oh, no. But is this guy on Tetrasil White? And then, no, that wasn't. <laughs> Tetrasil White, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, and that wasn't a thing at all. So the second time, I had other thoughts that I got to around to, but. Mm-hmm. All right, so we actually, all of us really like this episode for the most part, right? This yeah. is actually one of the better ones. I like it. I won't say I really like it, but it's a good episode. Um. Yeah, no, I really, I think this is like, I think like in the grand scheme of the best Next Generation episodes, it, it's one of those like, do you remember that episode where, you know, Odo has to go and find the little girl on the moon? It's that kind of episode. It's the first time where they rose to the level of where the competency of Next Generation was at this moment. Right. And it's an important episode for that character, so you remember it. Yes. You know, it's the first time Odo's ever had an inkling where he thinks he might have a way to find out who he is or figure out his backstory, which is one of the big mysteries of the show. Yes, they're not wasting their... And they've neglected it up until... Right. Up, up until here. Uh, and really, they, they mentioned it in the first episode that he doesn't know where he came from, and then they ignore that for the next yes. nine episodes or ten episodes. Right. And here we are on episode 11, and they're finally addressing it. Yeah, right. Because they're, they're filling out how long they're going to be able to keep the show running, and they probably have two or three Odo episodes plotted out for the whole season, and this is the first time we get to it, is my assumption. Yeah, like, I think that, like... Hmm. 
it seems like a, a, a few episodes back I talked about how obviously you're going to have dud episodes. Whenever you have a 19-episode season, there's just not that many good episode, good ideas that can be generated in a certain time. You're going to have dud episodes. You're going to have to, you can't, every episode can't deal with the overarching Cardassian, Bajoran, you know, all of the, the big storyline. Right, right. So you're going to have to have Alien of the Week stuff. But my biggest problem is that they jammed them into like 10 episodes at the beginning. Right. And so, like, finally now we're getting into this. It's, it's essentially this could have been the second episode of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you wouldn't have missed much of anything. Right. Actually, the next one could have been the second one, and this one would have made it great. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, I was about to say, I would have saved this for third or fourth if we're doing a tight season with, a, with like, a singular arc. Yeah. But especially at this point in time, you just didn't have that. Uh, this is the, the point I've hammered home. Mm-hmm several times that you know we're in a proto state of television to where you can actually have arcs run that way yeah especially in in star trek which has been an anthology series for so long that they're just figuring this out yeah and they did it was it was a simple enough story that they didn't have to backtrack a lot and explain elements from the plot pilot yeah so it but was, even even if you are doing an alien of the week thing, man, these, some of these past ten episodes have been fucking garbage. Yeah, no, no, they were. Garbage. <laughs> you could do better alien of the week move than fucking move, yeah. move, move along home. We'll, we'll talk about that for yeah, because that was our. Uh, yeah, we talked about is man alone going to be the low bar? No. Yes. Man, move along home, man. Set that bar so much lower. <laughs> I yeah, you guys are right. Move along home is pretty much the worst one so far. That was rock bottom. Yeah. That was the crow. That was the yeah. I felt like Croden watching that episode. I was like, man, <laughs> man I got to do something. To the extent it almost loops back around and becomes entertaining, but it's still that bad. <laughs> at least I don't know. I still think that's the one redeeming factor that it has. At least it's, it wasn't boring. It's got that. T- Tommy was so quality to it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yes. All right. Yes. Uh, right. So uh, should we move? Let's move on to what we would change or? Yeah, that's great. Let's go. We kind of touched on what you would change, Wade. Go ahead. and. Okay. Okay. I have a couple of things. One, this is the dumbest name we've had in this whole, <laughs> like, this was a good episode, but the name of this episode, it's fucking stupid. It doesn't mean anything. Does yeah. it relate to the episode it at doesn't. all? Even the what, and you know, back then nobody knew what the names of episodes were as they were watching as in them as they aired. Mm-hmm. So whatever, I'll forgive you for that. But Vortex, even when they go into the Vortex, it's not a fucking Vortex. A Vortex <laughs> means that there's a bunch of stuff whipping around and it's like mm-hmm. in motion and there's weight, you know, wind and stuff. It's a fucking... Nebula, right? Nebula. It's a cloud of gas that doesn't move. Yeah. How is that a vortex? Okay, that's that's the one part. And if you're going to name it at the episode, the name of the episode should relate to the themes of the episode. Mm-hmm. There's nothing... If it were, if you could, instead of calling it a vortex, you'd call it something that, you know, something that hides something else. Odo was drunk into a vortex of emotions. Right. And you <laughs> have this, well, or, you know... <laughs> Even the vortex. Or, or how about the key or yeah. cousins or something? Right, right, cousins. Yeah, <laughs> because the vort. Well, and you could do it. The vortex is hiding his uh, like Croden's secret, so you could have a something relating to the lies people tell or everything. Or family. Or family. Croden's after yeah. his daughter. Uh, but the other thing I would change has to do with Croden, because. I would have made Croden sets up this whole thing about how he knows changelings 
And then later he says, oh, we, we heard stories of changelings. And if you're going to have Odo relate to Crodon by the end of it so much, they could have done a better job if Crodon was this kind of charismatic rogue who has been pulling heist and knows what he's doing. And you could even make it to where he knows these stories of changelings from these fairy tales when he was a kid, make him like have related to the changelings and decided he wanted to be a changeling himself with his personality or whatever that makes him a good criminal. And he puts on these different personas or abilities to lie or changing his environment or, you know, just adapting Mm -hmm. at how he relates to it. And then that makes him more interesting than just like a boring junkie. And also you can juxtapose that to Odo's changeable nature, literally. And it would have been more interesting to me. And it would have been, it would have made the whole, the themes you could have wrapped up a lot more interesting between Odo and the whole episode. Are you Okay. So let me get you like, you would like to have seen Crodon be more, more emotionally adaptable. Uh, Yeah. Or, or a better liar. Or he could seems to like, adapt his countenance his his personality to what will best be an advantage to him much like odo can shift his body but is still an uptight asshole no matter in what shape he's in and he can't sort of break out of that yeah yeah exactly i would have had him one be an adept liar who changes his nature to get what he wants basically that's what i would have made him Mm -hmm. right that's far more interesting than what we saw. Exactly, yeah. Because the whole him as a junkie. And actually, what you're describing would would still fit within the plot, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would It would make the... Yeah, It's you don't have to change the plot at all. You just have to change his character yeah. to be more of a foil for Odin. No, I think that works really well. Yeah, because I got to say that like the, we all talked about this vibe of like a fuck-up that Crodon has this whole episode. It would probably be a more dangerous episode if he wasn't a fuck up but was kind of scary yeah yeah like where you lit not like violent but like where you literally didn't know if you could trust him that he right right i don't know like you know that he's got an element of sophistication and then he's got like an element of 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 sort of like feral intelligence or sort of like a he yeah he had none of that (laughs) yeah right yeah yeah i would just make him more charismatic for one and the fact that you know, and then you make him seem like a bad guy. And, and then when you pull out his daughter at the end, like he's doing it for his fucking daughter, then you actually, oh, you know, like the fear that like, like in Glengarry Glenn Ross that people have with uh, Al Pacino's character where like you're dealing with him and you want to like him because he's so damn likable. But there's a part of you that's overwhelmed by his salesmanship that it frightens you. That you're just the, like, if I trust you, I'm going to I'm going to get eaten by you because he's so confident and so. Right, right. They should have just gotten Al Pacino <laughs> for this part. Oh, I need to go back to the vortex. <laughs> yeah, why didn't they do that? Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the the vortex, it doesn't yeah. I need to go back to the vortex. Okay. Um, no, okay. So, <laughs> the, the what? <laughs> the vortex. The vortex. Yeah. No, uh, but uh, yeah, like I, th- that's an interesting. So yeah, but, that's what I would have changed. Yes, I, I agree because because he's such a shit that like even it's one of those situations, and I don't know, I, I've got drug addicts in my family. There's this thing where you like even if I believe that you're telling me the truth, if I put my trust in you, you're probably still gonna fuck it up, right? And I feel exactly. like that was the thing. It wasn't like <laughs> right. if if I put my trust in you, will you fuck me over? It's like you know, will you just screw up because you're just kind of like not a very good person you're just not good at doing things and so that was the vibe james what would you change oh no the only thing i can think of and i haven't like it's not a full thought i would have liked someone 
else from the cast to have seen Odo make these decisions. Oh, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. That would have been great, yeah. Where they have to keep his secret, but they're like, you know what? It was the right choice or something. Like, like if Kira, I mean, and I don't know, it, it could be complicated in the whole story, but like if Kira was on the runabout. Or just hell, Cisco. Or, or Cis, yeah. Well, Cisco would have, yeah. Cisco would have called the shots. Yeah, though. I was thinking even Cisco, because Cisco's already shown he's willing to bend the rules that way. Well, he could have beamed him aboard and then. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Something could have. Yeah, he would have called the shots. He would have made the decision that Odo made instead. Yeah. But if someone could have seen. You need to have somebody to have Odo have the agency there. That's true. You know, with the ensemble show, showing character growth and characters having to make decisions and put themselves out there and risk things, that's great. That's We're in good show territory here. It would be... It's better right. yeah, yeah. if that can also forge a bond with a number ca- another cast member. Right, right. It would it couldn't be Cisco because it has to be somebody that also has to keep Odo's secret. Yes. And I and I said Kira, but just because of where the show goes later. And so that would have been an earlier part of that. But I mean it could have been anyone. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. It would have been I I would say do it with Julian because he's lacking something. Yeah, that's true. And it would be a way to forge a bond with another character. <laughs> I would say Dax, but it would just she'd fuck it up. <laughs> Her, her her blunt facial effect would just not. Yeah, so, it yeah. just wouldn't yeah. sell uh, as well. I was reading something where they wanted to. They expected her to come on and be the Spock of the show, this first season. Yeah, where she was supposed to be the wizened old man. I could see that. And it took them like until the end of the season to realize she's never going to pull this off. So I think that like may, like so. <laughs> well, in her defense, the writing they 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 have completely neglected her. You know character in the right i think that that was strategic i think yeah maybe they saw what she could do and there's like the writers like we can't we can't put this on her because she she's not able i mean if she was knocking it out of the park like armin shimmerman is they would be giving her stories like armin Shim- like, like they're given armin shimmerman right yeah yeah like even yeah, when she gets her own episode she has no lines in it <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was just, like, all-knowing looks and yes. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave the character a secret and then, then yeah, ever so say we, anything. We're going to name the episode after you. Every conversation in this episode is going to be about you. But don't worry. You don't have to say anything. Right. You're going to look very pretty. <laughs> right. We're going to keep you safe. And you're... Yes. Right. So they won't see how bad an actor you are. And so I think, like, in sec- when that, that Dax that I remember, that sort of fun, sex-positive, like, more sort of aggressive sort of woman is a season two construction. So I'm sort of waiting on that. Right, right. You're you're probably right. But anyway. All right, Hugh, anything you would change, Hugh? Yeah, we actually, I kind of stayed quiet because you guys were hitting upon what I was going to change. And I would probably have some people of color be the aliens for once. It looks just like there's boring, <laughs> like, space white guys yeah. from the Gamma Quadrant, and they all have silly putty on their face. Right. It's very... At- at this point, it's almost—I don't know—it's almost offensive because it, you, it's so clear that the casting directors can't imagine, you know, anything else but a space white guy coming through with silly putty on his face, dressed in <laughs> like pleather. Maybe, yeah. They've had the same go-to guys put on the makeup. Probably they—they're probably all makeup guys that have also been on Next Generation and stuff. Yes, they are. I don't know. And then probably also, hey, we got our. I mean, I'm not defending it, but it's like, we got our black guy quota. We got the cap, the commander's black. 
we've done right. all our work. We're we're good. Yeah. And by the end, you know, once Jake becomes a more of like an adult and I guess more of a character, and then you have I don't remember her name, but let like say the Cisco's love interest later on in the show, and then you have Michael Dorn. It's like, oh, right, right, come right. on, we've got all kinds of black people on this show. We're fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> But well, it just yeah, yeah, yeah well, exactly, they get there yeah. when the show acts like it's good, noticeably. They but, have it does, but as far as if it's an alien of the week and all the aliens are literally, I mean, they're not even white women. You know, the alien of the week every week is just a shady black, oh, a white guy, a shady yeah. white guy. Shade of yeah, gray. Either he's gray. Yeah. Like, unless it's an alligator and it, or else it's just too much makeup to see what so they that's, are. That's but, yeah. what I would change. That, that's it. No, that would have yeah, that would have been interesting. All right, guys, fair. So we like this on the spectrum. We like it, and we like the direction that it's going so far in the season. Any other thoughts? No, this has been great. This is no move along home, so we're good now. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this one, and I think that in general, I think that maybe I maybe this is Pollyannish of me, but I feel like that we've taken the turn to where the episodes are not getting amazing, but they're incrementally better. Right, right. I think we're we're starting to get into safe waters here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So so keep listening to the podcast and or keep watching. Keep listening. You know, I hope yeah. I hope the good episodes are as entertaining to hear us talk about as the bad ones. Yeah, that's what you gotta go. You gotta go for even if it is a bad episode, they wanna come and hear what we say because we're awesome. Right. Yes. All right. Anything else to add? Nope. Nope. All right. Then thanks for listening. Three to beam out. Three to beam out. Won't. Please follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod and on Tumblr at the Rules of AcquisitionPodcast.tumblr.com. Send us an email at Rules of AcquisitionPodcast at gmail.com. You can turn this off now. It's pretty pathetic that you are still listening. Do you not have friends, or a hobby that is not Star Trek podcast related? That is possibly why people are fearful for the future of our society. Okay, and I have to pee so bad right now, I'm gonna go do that. I, I drink a bunch of beers and beers make you pee. We believe in you. We know you are better than this. <laughs> <laughs>